Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Come on, let's give praise to God in this house this morning. God is so good. I'm thankful for an amazing worship team. Come on, they're so anointed. Brought the presence of the Lord in this house. Blessed for that. Um, For those who don't know me, my name is Edin Botero. I'm the student coordinator here for Horizon West Movement Students. And I'm excited to get into the word of God this morning. Um, If you haven't noticed, the theme that we're going with is is thankfulness. So I'm going to be sharing on... um, thankfulness and I was kind of putting this teaching together and kind of trying to get a good title for it and I felt uh, living and thriving through thankfulness is kind of the subject matter that we're going to be sharing on today and don't worry we're not going to be talking about the first Thanksgiving or anything traditional Thanksgiving we're we're going to come from a biblical perspective of what God has called us to live and and how to live in thankfulness Um, so I'm just going to pray and we'll jump right into the teaching this morning God I thank you Uh, Lord, for all that you're doing in our community, in our lives, God, I just ask that you would just open up our eyes, open up our ears and our hearts to receive your word this morning. Uh, I I pray it is a a word of encouragement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So I I tend to naturally be an encourager, so I hope that this word is an encouraging word for you. Um, But definitely when I'm teaching on a subject like this where there's like a word study, I like to look at what that word means. So um, I went to (laughs) dictionary.com. to look up what the word thankfulness means. And according to dictionary.com, it's defined as a feeling or an expression, a feeling or expressing gratitude or appreciative. Um, I also looked it up in the Greek to get biblical context. And outside of it being pronounced different, it's essentially meaning the same thing, um, a feeling or expressing gratitude and appreciative. So when considering thankfulness, I was thinking like, I think a way that we can tend to express thankfulness sometimes is, you know, when we're may or may not have been going 10 miles over the speed limit, right? No? Oh, no, because you guys are all safe drivers, okay. But, you know, like when the police, you see those lights come on, you're like, oh, I might be getting a ticket this morning or this afternoon or whenever. And, you know, that officer is like, hey, I'm going to let you off with the warning. We tend to express gratitude. We tend to express thankfulness. Thank you so much. I don't want to have a ticket right now. Or when you, if you're like me, you're so into a conversation, you put your phone down and you, you, you forget your phone, you lose your phone. You're like, oh no, my phone, I might need it. Or sometimes I had a friend who lost their wallet, you know, and you can be in, you know, identity theft or, you know, they use all your credit cards, but you're thankful when it's returned to you or reported as stolen. You tend to express gratitude. Thank you so much for finding that wallet. You know, that's a way of, of, of expressing thankfulness. It's an emotion that we have. And I want to look at thankfulness in the Bible, how the Bible calls us to walk in thankfulness. And we're going to kind of look at the life of John the Baptist and look, look at different scriptures and different aspects of him living and thriving in thankfulness. So first scripture I want to look at here this morning is found in Thessalonians chapter 5, verse uh, 17 through 19. This is Paul encouraging the church and Thessalonica, I hope I said that right. <laughs> uh, verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. I love how he says, in all circumstances. 
So it's not just when it's convenient or when you're joyful or when you're feeling thankful. He says, in all circumstances, give, uh, give thanks. And I love that. He says, this is the will of God. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I don't want to spend all morning talking about all the things, all the aspects, because we'd be here all morning talking about that. But I just want to highlight a few aspects, looking and peering into the life of John the Baptist and how he walked out thankfulness. You know, when I'm thinking about this, when I was preparing this, I was thinking about how God's kingdom is so countercultural, right? It's not like any kingdom, any government, or any institution, in, any institution on the face of earth. It's so different. You know, in God's kingdom, he says, if you want to be great, you have to be the servant of all. It's this upside-down kingdom. And being brought up in the faith, it's this idea that I've come to learn. And when you look at scriptures, it's, it's fascinating to see that this is littered all through the text. From Old Testament to New, we can see that God's people were meant to be consecrated. They were meant to be set apart. They were meant to be different. Um, this one of my favorite um, books and, and chapters to look at. I encourage the students all the time when they're like, oh, where do we start to read? I encourage them three chapters, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And the reason why I like those chapters so much is think of a teacher or a, a preacher that you just love to listen to, you love to hear, and they start a sermon series and you want to try to find that sermon series. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is literally the sermon notes of Jesus. He's teaching a sermon on a mountain, and he's, he's breaking down what the people of God, how they are to live and how they are to be. I want to look at a couple of scriptures of, of Jesus laying, this, again, this upside-down kingdom, this countercultural uh, way of living. Matthew 5, verse 39, it says, You have heard that it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other as well. That's pretty, that's pretty heavy. It's intense. Very countercultural, right? You're just not going to let somebody slap you. At least the way I was brought up, you don't do that. <laughs> Matthew 5, uh, 43 through 44, it says this. You have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If we can be honest, that's, those are very intense ideas. But this is how God has called his people to live how he's chosen to govern his kingdom when his people are surrendered living in this lifestyle. One aspect I want to uh, look at before we jump into um, a few aspects of living in thankfulness is found in um, Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Again, his kingdom his government is different. God doesn't have this army that's attacking one another, is attacking men. It's a spiritual battle. His kingdom is so different. So as we continue to look at the life of, of John the Baptist, I want to uh, look at this first aspect of thankfulness. And that is thankfulness for a savior. So John the Baptist to me, and, the, and I believe to all of us, he's, he's an individual that's very beloved in the biblical narrative. As, a, as, um, as a, I want to pause and kind of look at the different pressures, the different experiences that he might have gone through in his life. And for some of us who aren't too familiar with John the Baptist, I want to give a, a quick synopsis of this scenario for you. So he was brought up in a religious family and was being groomed to continue in the family line as a priest, which wasn't a bad thing. But somewhere in the storyline, his life had a radical shift that propelled him into a different direction. 
Like for me as a parent, I can't imagine what that must have been like to navigate through, right? Just to kind of paint a picture for you. Imagine like you, you have a, a, a child, right? And just here, I don't love sports too much, but I know families who, have, who love sports. So imagine you have a son who like is playing football, right? And he's getting really into it. You guys are watching games together. And all of a sudden, there's a team that he starts to like. And he's like in this college, this college football team. Let's say it's UCF, right? I don't even know the name of the team. <laughs> right? And he starts, he starts talking about the college. Man, I think I'm going to go there for a scholarship. I think I'm going to go to that football. Man, I'm loving this, Dad. And there's this conversation going on. It's finally his senior year. He's already put in an application. He's thinking about going. And then last minute, he's like, you know what? I kind of had this passion to travel the nation to be a photographer documenting wildlife in America. I think I'm going to do that instead. Right? Like, that would be kind of a shocker, you know, as, as, as a parent. Not a bad thing because you're like, hey, man, if, if that's your passion and th- there's amazing photo- uh, photography that can be captured in those moments, that's a, an amazing thing. But we're like, man, this whole time you've been being groomed, being prepared to move in this direction. Now all of a sudden you're moving over here. That could be hard to navigate or feel the pressure as a parent or as a child, right? And this is kind of the scenario that John the Baptist was being put in. He was being pretty much led into the direction to be a priest in, in God's order. And out of, out of nowhere, he continues to do the Lord's work, but it's so different from what he was being prepared to. He understood his identity because of the finished work of Jesus, we do not exist to build our kingdoms, but to prepare people for the Messiah. And some of us might be thinking, how did he, how did, how did he understand that before Jesus even came to the scene? How did he know this? And we're going to look at through some scriptures here of how he was able to navigate through that. But I believe John had a revelation of our Savior and responded to the call to prepare the way of the Lord with thankfulness. The scripture tells us in Luke 7, 47, it says, He who has been forgiven much loves much. So when you understand the power of forgiveness, when you understand what we've been delivered from, right, as believers in Jesus, when we've been delivered, when we've been saved, we, we tend to live different. Our expression of life is different. I believe John the Baptist understood who Jesus was. I want to read a scripture here, first five verses in Isaiah chapter 40, and it says this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double from all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for your God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. That even the uneven grounds shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now when John the Baptist was asked, hey, you know, we kind of know who you are. We, we, we know your family line, but you're this guy out here eating honey and locusts. You're this guy out here preaching repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Like, who are you exactly? And that was his reply. John the Baptist's reply in John chapter 1, verse 23, he said this, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. He understood his identity, but he also understood the work that Christ was to do. He understood that I'm going to share comfort. I'm going to declare the goodness of God, the mercy of the Lord, because we have a Savior. For generations, there was no prophetic voices leading up to John the Baptist. 
And John the Baptist comes declaring the word of Isaiah 40. And he's saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he starts expressing this thankfulness for a savior. When pressure and weaknesses in our lives arise, we can respond with thanksgiving in the finished work of our savior. Knowing that though we may not understand in the moment what is happening or have the answers to resolve in a situation, God is more than able to break in. This is the power of what happens when we are thankful, when we walk in thankfulness of our Savior. Another aspect I want to look at in the life of John the Baptist is um, him living and thriving in thankfulness is thankfulness in the waiting. So we looked at thankfulness for a Savior, now thankfulness in the waiting. And this is still looking at Isaiah 40, right? The very last verse says this in verse 31. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now I want to look at that word wait. Right again, and I wanted to get some context of better. What does that word wait mean? Sometimes, you know, is this what it means? Like, you know, we're just kind of like twiddling our thumbs like, all right, Lord, I'm kind of waiting for you. Like, is that what wait means? What does that word mean? So I looked it up, again, in the, in the context that it's being used. And it means to bind together, to collect, to expect, to gather, or to look. And it reminded me of a time, um, you know, I love being in high school. There's so many opportunities, so many electives to pick from. And I was kind of like, which elective should I pick from? You know, I did auto, auto shop. What should I try? I was in choir. And one elective that I picked was pottery, which is kind of random, you know. But I was like, let's try it out. Maybe it's cool. So um, I, I did pottery. And one of the things that they taught us was this uh, technique called the coil technique. And essentially, you're um, pretty much rolling this clay, you're rolling it over, and then you're stacking, you're making a circle, and if you're making like a vase or something of that nature, you're piling the circles up, and then eventually you bind the circles together, you bind this clay together. That's what weight means. Weight is that process of being rolled, being molded, right, being bound together and making one vessel. This is the type of weight that's being described here in verse 31. So when the scripture says, but those who wait on the Lord, it's those who allow God to mold us, to bind us together, to mount up with wings like an eagle. It's a process, a stretching, and it can be uncomfortable. But like the passage says, we will be refined. We're talking about thankfulness in the waiting. And I want to look at another scripture because we're looking into, we're peering into the life of John the Baptist. And some of us may not recognize or even remember that John the Baptist actually had disciples. He had disciples that were following under his leadership. And, and if you look at disciples, they were mentors. I mean, they were mentees of him teaching him the truths of the scriptures, the truth of God's ways. And there's a, 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 we get to peer in here in Mark chapter 2 of how his disciples lived. And I want us to read that together, Mark 2, verse 18 through 20. It says this, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and they said to him, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. In this passage, we can see Jesus knows that there will be a day his disciples will have to have this practice of waiting. See, this passage isn't showing us that John's disciples were, they were complaining, but it's a practice of fasting, a demonstration of thankfulness in their lives. 
We can kind of see that. Again, for me, like fasting, it's, it's difficult, right, if we can be honest. Fasting is difficult, but it's not a burden. It's actually an opportunity that we have to express our gratitude while we wait. It's an opportunity for us to be refined in this process. We don't have to, it's not, it's this mentality of I don't have to fast. Oh, man, the church is calling a fast. I don't want to fast. I don't, it's not that I have to fast, that I get to fast. I have an opportunity to express. I have an opportunity to show gratitude to our Lord and Savior through fasting. So in the midst of waiting, we can trust God. And if we can be honest, right, we're being refined, similar to what I was describing with the being molded, being rolled in, bind together. When we're fasting, sometimes, you know, the hangry version of ourselves come out, right? Like we begin to go, oh, my gosh, a little bit, a little bit more edgy. And we're like we're being refined through this process while we're waiting. God, is, it's uncomfortable. It's stretching. But being thankful in the process, God can refine us. And the last, part I, uh, the last point I want to look at, this third aspect of living and thriving in thankfulness is thankfulness in times of difficulty. So we pretty much established thankfulness is an emotion, it's an action that's expressing, that's expressed with gratitude and not something robotic, right? It's not like once we give our life to the Lord, we're just always happy and thankful people. We never have a bad situation. We never have a bad day. We're just joyful people. That's not true, right? Uh, maybe, it, maybe for you it is, but for me it's not. <laughs> you know, it's not robotic. It's not easy. It's a choice. It's something that we, we have to embrace and we have to allow the Lord to work in us. I love that last week, um, Pastor Chris, when he was ending the series, he, he was mentioning this idea of covenant versus contract. And the difference of, of coming into a biblical covenant versus binding ourselves to a commitment via contract. And I think all of us as adults maybe have signed a contract at some form or another, if it's for a home or a, a vehicle or a cell phone or something of that nature, we've signed a contract, right? And I think if we could be honest, we kind of felt the exchange was kind of like, I'm just a number to this individual, right? I can't, I can't say with 100% certainty that these people are out for my best interest, right? That's an aspect that's different from a contract versus a covenant, when it's a covenant, it's two parties coming together and they're saying, I agree and I want to see the fullness of this, this thing that we're coming into agreement for. That's, part, that's the difference between a biblical covenant versus a contract. And God is inviting us into his covenant and he gives us the strength. He initiated it with us so we can reap the rewards of freedom in our minds, freedom in our lives, and allowing thanksgiving to be the catalyst to experience that thankfulness. To be the driving force that pushes us in our weariness in times of breakthrough. So maybe some of us, even if we can be honest and begin to reflect, maybe some of us are going through difficult seasons even now. It's a little foggy, right? It's hard to navigate that we aren't sure if Christ can even handle this situation. Beloved, thankfulness in times of difficulty is how we will make it through. Not just, it could be worse. You know, that's a mentality. Oh, it could be worse. I mean, that's a mentality. But not just saying that, saying that God can work it out for our good. I can trust. I can hope. I can believe in our Savior. I'm from Florida, right? So I'm born and raised here. And my mom, she used to work at Disney. And I remember as a, um, a teen, you know, being old enough, sometimes I would go to work with her. And me and my brother, we would kind of hotel hop going from pool to pool. Or like we'd be um, at the water parks and stuff like that. And I just love floating in the lazy river, right? And just being on that float and just kind of like letting go. And to me, that's what I imagine thankfulness is like. It's allowing God, it's just hopping on that boat and saying, man, I don't know. I'm not sure, right? I can put my feet down. I can stand in this water. I can get out of the water. Or I can trust that this 
keeping this state of mind is going to keep me afloat to navigate through this place. I'm not sure exactly where we're going, but I'm trusting that as I, as I trust you, as I remain thankful, you're going, to, you're going to break in for me. So we're talking about John the Baptist, right? And, we're, and as we kind of ex- learn that he's experienced a lot of things. He had a, t- a lot of twists and turns in his life. And I want to look at this, um, this instance that towards the end of his life, he found himself in prison. And I think we can all agree, right, being in prison isn't something to be thankful for, <laughs> right? Like if we were put in prison, we're not going to be like, yes, I made it. I'm an inmate. Yes, I'm in jail. Like that's not something we'd be thankful for, you know, like at least I wouldn't. But it's important to understand this before we look at the passage. John the Baptist had disciples. So we're going to look at this scripture, and it might be a different perspective for some of us, but I want us to consider this. He was mentoring. He was leading a group of God's people. And though he had been a faithful messenger, baptizing many, even baptizing Jesus, he was hated for the message of repentance and called to turn back to the Lord. But while in prison, he realized that his time on earth is probably coming to an end. So he probably wanted to teach his disciples one last lesson. He doesn't know if he's going to be here much longer. He doesn't know what the outcome is going to be. I want to teach him one last message, one last lesson. And I want to look at it here um, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 5. It says, now when, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word of his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is coming or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you've heard and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the death, are he- the death hear, and the dead are raised up. The poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I could just imagine, right, as, a, as someone who's discipling and pouring into, investing into future leaders, they come back. There's nowhere that I've found in the scripture where they report back and then John responds on, on the update of how they report. So we can only use our imagination. But I can imagine he sees them coming up. They're visiting him in jail. And he's like, oh, my gosh, you guys went. What did he say? What, what, what did Jesus say? And they're like, John, it was crazy. Like there was a guy who was deaf and then he could hear. And he's like, wow, that's amazing. Did he say anything else? He's like, oh, no, no, no. I got to keep telling you before, before I tell you what he said. Man, there, there was someone who was dead and they were raised to life. He's like, that is amazing. It's a miracle. Did he say anything else? And I can hear one of his, I can imagine one of his disciples being like, man, he said this proverb. It was like a weird phrase. He said something like, blessed are those who are not offended by me. And I could just imagine a smile and his eyes begin to light up. And he's like, remember that. Remember that. When you go through difficulty, when, when you're not understanding what's happening, blessed are those who are not offended by me. It was so easy. John could have easily, in prison, he could have been like, yo, what's the end? You guys got to figure this out. I don't know. I thought this was right. He could have easily, like, been in his feelings. He could have easily been an emotional wreck. But even in prison, he's thankful for a Savior. He was thankful in the waiting, and he was thankful in the difficulty. He didn't give up. He said, oh, there's one last lesson my disciples need to learn. Because what happens? We, we look in the store and we see John gets beheaded, right? So who, is, who are his disciples going to follow? They're going to follow Jesus. They're going to go under the leadership of Jesus. You see that? And so John was preparing them. He was preparing them. This is, this is important for us to understand. Blessed are those who are offended by me. There could, be, there could have been that bitter exchange. Why did, my, why did my discipler have to die? Why did my leader have to die and you're still here? 
Blessed are those who are not offended by me. John was teaching them a lesson. There's so much for us to remember of the goodness of God. And, and I want to say, I want to make something abundantly clear. This isn't something that I'm claiming that I've perfected. This is something that I'm learning even as we're going. That's the beauty of God is his mercy and his grace. That we can press delete and move forward. That we can keep trusting in his goodness. Even when we have our off days. But I want to encourage you. This is something for us to not quit. If we throw in the towel in our situation, if we just give up, how can we know? How can we know if God was going to break in? How could we know if, if, our, if the person that we're believing for is going to be salvation or a lost one, right? We have a family member who doesn't know the Lord and we're just contending for their soul. If we stop praying, if we stop believing, we stop giving up, how can we see the goodness of God? But we stay thankful in the difficulty, in the situation that we're in. Right? We're humans, and God's, God sees that. I love, I love that the scripture tells us this. He says, I loved, you I loved you before you loved me. Right? God, Christ loved us first before we loved him. So he's, he's, he has desires towards us. He desires good. He has a covenant, not a contract with us. He, he desires to see the best in our lives. And sometimes we'll go through difficulty. Sometimes we may not understand why or what's happening. But the goodness of God will be revealed. I want to end with this. There's this um, uh, worship song that this uh, worship leader was singing. And she sang this phrase. She said, don't give up. Don't give in. If you don't quit, you win. You win. And it's a song of surrender. It's a song of trust, of hope, of just letting go. Like I said, being in that, that float with thankfulness in heart. Saying, God, I don't understand. But I'm trusting in what your word says. If you would just bow your heads with me. I want to close in prayer. If this resonated with you, if, if you're hearing me and, and you could feel the comfort and conviction of the Holy Spirit, I just pray uh, for encouragement, that you'd be encouraged to lean into God's truth. We are weak and finite, but God is holy and infinite. And I believe as we allow God to do a work in us, he can manifest his desire and his will in our lives, that we may thrive in thankfulness. God, I pray, Lord, for our community here, God, I thank you for every person, uh, every family represented, every individual, Lord. You know their situations, both internally and externally, Lord. You know what's going on in their families. You know what's going on in their workplace. The pressures we may be feeling financially, God, but you are, you are so, so good to us. God, I thank you that you make a way when there is no way. Lord, as your word says, you make... All things work together for our good, for those who believe in you. God, give us strength. I pray for grace that we can lean in to the goodness of God, that we can trust in times of difficulty, in times of waiting, that we could be thankful by your spirit and by your grace. Lord, I just pray even for those in the Horizon West area here who, who may visit our community, Lord, that they would know, God, that there is a good, good God that we truly would be a people who would declare the good news of Jesus, not just in word, but in deed, that we would live this message, that this would be a lifestyle that we choose, that we would thrive in thankfulness, that we would thrive in the goodness of all that you give to us. God, we want to see you glorified and exalted in our city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. 
If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.